This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. So let's uh, pray. Father, we ask you now, this is your beloved son that we're reading, studying, and worshiping this morning, so we pray that you would help us Help us to see him more clearly now through the scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is uh, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 46. I'm gonna read uh, the section here, although we're not gonna be covering it all this morning, but just to get the whole picture. Uh, Verse 46, rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the 12, came and with him, a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign saying, whomsoever I shall kiss, that same as he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, hail master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, put up again thy sword into his place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou not that I cannot now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels, but how then shall the scripture be fulfilled that thus it must be? In that same hour said Jesus to the multitudes, are you come out as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching the temple, you laid no hand on me, hold on me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled, then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Now, that's the whole context. We're just gonna be covering a few of those verses there, what we just read. But where we are right now, obviously, is that we're at a place in the history of Matthew of how Christ was arrested and taken into custody. And now Christ has gone through already the suffering in prayer in anticipation of all this in this Garden of Gethsemane where this is taking place. And as he did that, He lived in the reality of this suffering that's been so present with him in the Garden of Gethsemane when he sweat drops of blood and so much, so forth. But so much so that when he spoke of this suffering to his disciples, he never used the future tense, it's remarkable. He always spoke in the present tense in verse 45, verse 45, 
Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise us, rise, rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. Now, he'd asked the disciples to watch and pray. That's what he said. Watch and pray with him because this critical hour was happening so quickly, and this is the whole point about the speaking in the present tense. It was a critical hour for the disciples. It never comes again, never is gonna come again. The disciples essentially lost it. They lost that hour because they went to sleep, and they lost this golden opportunity that would never come again. The disciples slept through their opportunity to do what? To pray with Christ, to pray for Christ. And when Christ came to them and woke them up, and then he came to their leader, who was Peter, and he asked, why couldn't you stay awake? Why couldn't you stay awake for one hour, just one hour? In verse 40, verse 40, he said, then he cometh he unto the disciples, findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, what, could not you watch with me one hour? In essence, he said, just one hour? He wanted them to pray, instead they slept. So they slept, and, but he, he wanted them to stay awake. I mean, have you ever been like me? You need sleep so much, like right now, as a matter of fact. <laughs> you need sleep so much, you wanna sleep, and then all of a sudden, you get so frustrated because you wake up in the middle of the night and you say, what am I doing? And you, you can't go back to sleep. You can't fall back asleep. And you just feel frustrated that you can't go back to sleep, and you're, but you're tired. You're, you know, you're weary, but you can't sleep. Well, whenever that happened, used to happen to me, I just, just lay there for as long as it took and just kept getting more and more frustrated but now, and trying to fall back asleep. But, but it was when it becomes now, when it becomes clear that I'm not, I feel like I, I just got a phone call from God in the middle of the night, and he's saying to me as I pick up the phone, let's talk. I said, and I say, you wanna talk now? It's the middle of the night, but it must be important to you. So, okay, let's talk. And I get up, open the Bible, and, and hear God talk, and then pray. And now, so I wake up in the middle of the night, and when I hear God say, that, okay, there must be something important. It reminds me of Clint. You know, Clint told me, Clint told me the other day, after church, because his little, you know, little boy, Carson, he is so <laughs> something. And uh, do you remember that morning when Clint got up here, and he says, good morning, and little Carton says, good morning, Dad. <laughs> that was precious. Anyways, Carson is just uh, his youngest son. Okay, so when Carson, when Carson wants Clint's attention, Carson comes and he puts his two hands on Clint's face and then points Clint's face to him. <laughs> and he does that, he's like saying, Daddy, I want you to look at me. I want you to look at just me. I want all of your attention. I don't want you to be, you know, he's got 10 other brothers and sisters. It's kind of a, it's a big <laughs> competition who's gonna get the father's attention, right? I don't want you to look at anyone else. I don't want you to look at anything else because right now I have something very important to say to you, you know? And that's what God does to us. God does to us, when God wakes us up in the middle of the night and we can't go back to sleep, 
that's a time when God takes both of his hands, puts it on our face like that, and points us to God. So we do look at God. By waking up in the middle of the night, God is saying the same thing as little Carson is saying. He's saying, look at me. Look only at me. Don't look at anyone else but me. Don't look at anything else but me. Just look because I have something very important to say to you. I want you to hear. Let's talk. Just you and me. Like that song, you know, on the Jericho Road, there's room for just two. Yeah, I forgot how it goes. No more, no less, just Jesus and you. Anyway, that's the way the song goes. Anyway, so when God gets us up in the middle of the night, he's saying to us, don't think of anyone else but me. Don't think of anything else but me. Focus only on me. I got something very important to tell you. Let's talk. So instead of resenting not being able to fall back asleep, that's the time when we say to God, okay, Lord, this must be really important for you to woke, woke me up here in the middle of the night and you want me to get out of bed so we can talk, so I'm listening. Just like David said in the Psalms, in Psalm 63, 6, Psalm 63, 6, David said, when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. The night watches were the graveyard shift for the men who stood on the walls there in the middle of the night. Just like it says in the Song of Solomon, just like Solomon wrote in uh, Song of Solomon 5, verse two, she speaks, I sleep, but my heart waketh. It's the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled, my head is filled with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. That's the voice of God speaking to us in the night. Like David also said in Psalm 77.4, Psalm 77.4, thou holdest mine eyes waking. That's God putting his two hands on our face and causing us to see only him in the night. Now the next verse that we're here in verse 47, verse 47, it kind of emphasizes and it gives to us the tempo, the speed at which things are moving when it says these words, and while he yet spake, in verse 47, and while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the 12, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and those of the people. So words are still in Christ's mouth. He's still speaking to the disciples when all of a sudden, boom, suddenly appears Judas Iscariot with a large crowd, and this starts the rapid chain of events that's gonna drive all the way to the cross where there's gonna be no intermissions, no timeouts, no time to catch the breath. It's just gonna be one event after another until the sound of that hammer is heard that's driving the nails into his hands and in his feet. But from this point, so much of what the Bible has said is going to happen, prophecies will happen. This is gonna be a a rapid successions of the fulfillments of Bible prophecies as Christ now begins to fulfill his great mission of John 129, becoming the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. So many prophecies are now gonna happen. This point, He's being arrested. He's being arrested, and there's a fulfillment, as he is, of a prophecy in Lamentations 4.20. Lamentations 4.20 is a very interesting prophecy. 
It says, the breath of our nostrils, the anointed, or Mashiach, or Messiah, of the Lord was taken in their pits. That's a very interesting prophecy. The Bible prophecy there, it's talking about the Garden of Gethsemane. It's giving Christ these titles. He's called the Messiah, of course, the anointed of the Lord. But he's also called the breath of our nostrils. The breath of our nostrils, the Messiah of the Lord. What's that mean? What does it mean to call Jesus Christ the breath of our nostrils? The breath of our nostrils. The breath of our nostrils points back to the creation of man. Well, who created man? Christ created man. The first four verses of John 1 tell us that in the beginning was the Word, another name for Jesus Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, the life that was the light of men. So what that tells us, John 1, 3 tells us, is that Jesus Christ created everything, all things. Without Jesus Christ, nothing was made that was made. That's what it says. And that includes man. That includes man who was created in Genesis 2-7. Genesis 2-7, the Lord formed man out of the dust of the earth. Now at that point, in that verse, man is nothing but a lump of dust, a lump of clay, as the song says. He's just the, he's just the dust of the earth that's formed into the shape of man, but he's got no life. Until the second, until step two of Genesis 2-7 takes place. Step two, step one, Genesis 2-7. The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the earth. Step two, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So when Jesus Christ had formed man, then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and from that breath, he becomes a living soul, a living soul, why? Because of John 1.4, John 1.4, where it says he made, first of all, after having said he made everything, then it says in John 1.4, in him was life, in him was life. He is life, Jesus Christ is life. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he's the only life. There's no other life apart from him in John 14, 6. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's the life. So therefore, man received life when Jesus Christ put his mouth over the nostrils of man and breathed into him the breath of life. That's, that's Genesis 2-7, Genesis 2-7. That's Jesus Christ forming man out of the dust of the earth and breathing into his nostrils the breath of life, and so man becomes a living soul. And when he put his mouth over the nostrils of man and breathed into man this breath of life, that was the same thing as when Jesus Christ breathed on the disciples in John 20, verse 21, John 20, verse 21, then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. So that's Jesus Christ. He breathed on the disciples, 
and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. So as John 20, 22, that verse, Jesus Christ breathed on the disciples and they received the Holy Spirit. So in Genesis 2, 7, in Genesis 2, 7, when Christ breathed into the nostrils of man, the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Christ, as he's called, but he's also Romans 8, 2, Romans 8, 2, the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So when Jesus Christ breathed his breath into man in Genesis 2, 7, he's breathing into man the Holy Spirit of life, and man becomes a living soul. So now, when we read in Lamentations 4, Lamentations 4.20, the breath of our nostrils, here we are in the Garden of Gethsemane, and now the breath of our nostrils, who is the Messiah of the Lord, is taken in their pits. Lamentations 4.20, Lamentations 4.20, the breath of our nostrils, the Messiah of the Lord, was taken in their pits. So this is what's happened. This is a prophecy that's being fulfilled right now in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's being seized. And as we see him being seized, he's the breath of our nostrils, the spiritual breath of our nostrils. He is the anointed, he's being seized. Now, verse 47 gives us the persons who were in this group that came to arrest Christ. First, there's Judas Iscariot. He's described in verse 47 as, lo, Judas, one of the 12 came. Judas, one of the 12 came. And with that statement, one of the 12 came, you just feel the sharpness of the betrayal, of the betrayal. It's shocking, how shocking, can you imagine, the other 11 disciples, how shocking it must have been for them to see Judas leading this group of the enemies of Christ. I mean, it was only an hour or two earlier that the other 11, they were eating with Judas, they were passing plates of food, they were passing wine between themselves, they were talking, they were laughing with Judas. And now, to see him, that's the last time you saw him, just an hour or two before, now to see him coming to this large group to arrest Christ, it just must have made their heart drop to the floor for the rest of the disciples. And the word that the Bible uses for Judas as a title for him is the word guide. Judas is a guide in Acts 1.16, Acts 1.16. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost spake by the mouth of David, spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. He's the guide. The others are just following him. So the group who come to arrest Jesus, they didn't know where he was. They weren't familiar with his secret places that he went to at night where he liked to retreat for prayer. But Judas knew, Judas knew. And that's why Judas is described as the guide to them that took Jesus in Acts 1.16. So, because without the help of Judas, they didn't know where they could find Jesus. So next, in verse 47, we have a description of the group. They're described in verse 47 as just a great multitude. It's a large number of people. Not a few, but a great number 
that were with Judas and they come to arrest Christ. And then Christ has already described them in verse 45, in verse 45 when he said the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. They're described as sinners. So Judas, the chief sinner here, the guide sinner, is leading a group of sinners and he's being taken in custody into the hands of sinners. And then we have in verse 47 a description of their weapons, of how they're armed. It says in verse 47, a great multitude with swords and staves. A stave is a club, it's a club. And so now here they are, they've got razor sharp swords, they're ready to cut in two anyone who stands in their way. They got their clubs, they're ready to swing and crack skulls for anyone who tries to stop them. And when we see them armed like this, with sharp swords and heavy clubs, which Christ will later call out, he'll call that out. But remember, we remember who they've come to arrest, who they've come to take into custody. He, he is the transformed one. He's the one who transformed himself into a man from Philippians 2.5, Philippians 2.5. This is the greatest transformation ever happened. When it says, Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself, there's the transformation, made himself of no reputation, took upon them the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Greatest transformation that ever took place in the universe, the almighty God transforms himself into a man, not just any man, but a servant man, a servant man obeying orders. Not just any servant obeying orders, but a servant obeying the order to die a death. Not just any death to die, but to die the death of the cross. Greatest transformation when Jesus Christ, God became a man to die the death of the cross. This is Jesus Christ who they've come to arrest, whose one look had the power to reduce them to a pile of ashes, like Elijah did twice to groups, to Captain and his group of 50 soldiers in 2 Kings 1, 9, 2 Kings 1, 9, when it says, then the king sent unto him a captain of 50 with his 50, and he went up to him, and behold, he sat at the top of a hill, and he spake to him, up to him and says, thou man of God, the king hath said, come down. Elijah answers and said to the captain of 50, if I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy 50. And there came down fire from heaven and consumed his 50. Again also, he sent unto him another captain with his 50. And he answered and said unto him, O man of God, thus hath the king said, come down quickly. Elijah answered and said, if I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven, consume thee and thy 50. And it did. Okay. Christ is the one who's giving this power to Elijah to reduce these two groups of 50 soldiers to piles of ashes with just the words, if I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume me. And for Elijah, it didn't matter what weapons they carried because fire was gonna come down from the sky, they were gonna become a pile of ashes and the wind is gonna blow the ashes away. 
Well, here's the same Christ he's, that gave Elijah this power, and he's standing in front of this group that's got these sharp swords and heavy clubs. He not only had to, could have just said a word that would have been ashes to be blown away, but the group didn't know that. They didn't know that. All they knew was that when they put their hands on the handles of those swords and on the handles of those clubs, they felt so strong. They felt so invincible. They felt so unconquerable. I mean, they'd waited three years for the moment. Now they've got them. You know, you can almost hear the call going out say, we got them. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.